the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. There's an old saying, but it's not true. You really cannot be so heavenly minded that you are no earthly good. If you are heavenly minded, you are earthly good. But you can be so earthly minded that you are no heavenly good. Does that make sense? It made sense to me when I wrote it down in my notes. And I hope it makes sense to you. If you don't have a biblical perspective of heaven, you're not going to be of much good on earth. It's true that the people who do the most good here on earth are generally those whose perspective goes way beyond their physical lifespan. When we take the long view, the really long view, it'll drastically change our priorities. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today we begin a new series of studies, and it's an unusual series because this one is topical. Pastor Steve almost always teaches verse by verse, which is how we came up with the name for this program. But today we're going to launch into a study of a topic that I think will fascinate all of us. Heaven. What is it? Where is it? What will people do there? We all have questions about heaven, so let's see what answers we can find in Scripture. Here's Pastor Steve with today's Bible lesson. Last Monday night, I was searching for something to watch on television, and as I was going up and down the channels, I came across a familiar voice that I remember from my childhood. It was the voice of Rod Serling, and the program that I had ventured upon was The Twilight Zone, The Twilight Zone. Now, for those of you too young to remember The Twilight Zone, it was a weekly television program that ventured to take you into another world. And you know those four notes, da-da-da-da-da, that, that, that was it. It was a world where the bizarre appeared very real. I think, in my opinion, it was the most frightening thing I had ever seen on television. The reason it was so frightening is because each week you saw acted out uh, your fears. Your fears were experienced by somebody else. And it, it was very frightening. They, they lived out the things that you feared most and you wish would never happen. Well, they didn't happen to you, but they happened to somebody else. And so you went away just thinking, I, I hope that never happens. I mean, it was bizarre, but it was, uh, it was frightening. And one of the most common fears that the, the program featured was the fear of death. The fear of death. And perhaps the reason the subject of death was dealt with so often in the Twilight Zone was because people were fascinated and are fascinated by it. They fear it, but it intrigues them as well. Death is a fascinating subject because it is the great unknown. Today, there is a renewed interest in the subject of death. People want to know about such things as uh, so-called out-of-body experiences, they want to know about mercy killings, uh, suicide is on the rise, afterlife phenomenon, things like that. In fact, at major universities in our land, there are courses taught on the subject of death. 
You might wonder what would they call those courses. Well, there's a whole study now devoted to death. It's called thanatology. It's from the Greek word thanatos, Greek for death. And uh, thanatology is the study of death. Now, we know we're going to die. And so we all want to know about it. Somebody uh, said, of course, we're going to die because death and taxes are inevitable. But then somebody added to it and said, but death doesn't get worse every time Congress meets. <laughs> that may be true, but it's still a reality. It's still a reality. So we want to know more about what's going to happen to us after we die. And that's why I'd like this morning to begin a new series, not on death, but on heaven. Because the Bible says that for a believer who knows Jesus Christ, for a believer in Christ, the moment we die, we are ushered into his presence in heaven. Now, I believe that most Christians, Bible-believing Christians, know very little about heaven. Most of you have probably never heard a sermon on heaven. Or if you have, I mean a whole sermon devoted to it, not touched upon. Or if you, had, or if you have heard a sermon, there uh, haven't been too many. Uh, not much of an in-depth study of this subject. Most of us have probably never read a book on heaven, never read an article on heaven. We just don't hear that, that much about heaven. And the result is that our ignorance of heaven has made spending eternity there rather unappealing. For many of us, we're not looking forward to heaven. And because of that, we've been robbed of the joy and the anticipation of going there. I'd like you to turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, and the Apostle Paul was under house arrest when he wrote this letter. He, uh, he could have been killed at this point. He could have had Rome take his life. Uh, as it turned out, they didn't. But Paul says in Philippians 1, verse 21, for to me to live is Christ, and then he said, to die is gain. He said, dying is gain. Verse 22 but if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I don't know which to choose. But I'm hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ for that. And watch this expression. That is very much better. It's very much better than what? It's very much better than living. Even though Paul had a fruitful ministry, and Paul said, went on to say, I think I'm going to stick around because it's beneficial for you. But Paul said dying was gain and it was very much better. Heaven is better than earth, is what he's saying. It's better to die and be with the Lord than to live and, and be here. Paul looked forward to heaven because he understood something of what heaven was about. In fact, in Luke 10, verse 20, you don't need to turn there. Jesus said, rejoice because your names are written in heaven. When we think of heaven and going there, it ought to bring joy to us. We ought to long for it. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, he says, we groan for heaven. I don't think there's much groaning now because we don't know about it. Now, I think what's happened over the years is that there are a number of myths that people believe about heaven. There are a number of, of things that are just not true. I call them myths that have developed around heaven. And if we're going to have the joy of going to heaven, we need to dispel these myths. So let me give you a few myths about heaven and tell you that they're wrong. Myth number one is this. The main thing that we're going to do in heaven is sit around on a cloud plucking the strings of a harp. Now, I don't know where that, that came up, but that's just not true. We're going to work. We're going to worship. We're going to sing. We're going to serve the Lord. 
And we're going to have perfect joy and perfect fellowship and perfect satisfaction that we can't even imagine now. We're not going to sit around on a cloud plucking a harp. That's absurd. So get that out of your mind. Myth number two, some say heaven is a land of shadows and, and mists and everything is just bland and dull. When you hear that, you think, who wants to go to a place like that? It's all like in black and white and very, very gray. That's not true. You're going to have to be jumping around your Bibles today. So let's look at Revelation chapter 4. Now, if you can't keep up with us, just mark these verses down as you're taking notes. Because we're going to move around rather quickly. Revelation chapter 4. John says, verse 1, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the, first, and the first voice which I heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I'll show you what must take place after these things. So John is given a vision of heaven. The voice has come up here. Immediately he says, I was in the spirit, and behold, the throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone. Probably means shades of green. So there's color. And sardius in appearance, and that would be uh, probably red, and there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. So immediately we know that, that heaven has some color. There, there's a rainbow, a spectrum of gorgeous colors. The one there had, had uh, shades of green and, and red. Later on in the book of Revelation, we'll know that the streets are, are gold. Now, that doesn't mean that they are the gold that we understand. They appeared gold to John. They were, they were a, a, a type of gold in appearance, although it was unique as it was transparent. But the point is, is that uh, heaven is not a light at the end of a dark tunnel. And that's what you hear about people who say, I've had this out-of-body experience. That is not the heaven of the Bible. It's not the light at the end of a dark tunnel, but a dazzling display of magnificent colors beyond human description. Words actually fail us. It's like this. Another myth. We will meditate rather than act in heaven. We will rest rather than be active. Now listen, folks, that would be boredom. That would be frustration. Uh, when the Bible speaks of eternal bliss, it doesn't mean we're just sitting around doing nothing. As I said before, there's going to be work, there's going to be activity, uh, there's going to be things to do in heaven. Myth number four, the music of heaven will be dull, heavy, and repetitious. Mark Twain, who was certainly no authority on the Bible and no authority on heaven, said this about the music in heaven. He said, it goes on all day long and every day during a stretch of 12 hours. The singing is of hymns alone. Nay, it is one hymn alone. The words are always the same. In number, they are only about a dozen. There is no rhyme. There is no poetry. And I say, yuck. Yuck, that's a teenager's worst nightmare. I don't want to go to heaven if that's what it is. Now, maybe some would like it, but listen, the Bible doesn't teach that. Mark Twain came up with that. The Bible doesn't teach that. You will enjoy singing. You will love to sing praises to the Lord. You will sing like you have never sung before. It is not one boring song that we sing over and over and over again. Uh, myth number five, the apostle Peter guards the entrance of heaven at the pearly gates. That is pure fantasy. Peter's not a doorman. Hey, where where we come up with that? Um, that's not true. That's just pure fantasy. Uh, myth number six. Oh, this is a good one. We become angels in heaven with halos and wings. Uh, pure fantasy as well. The Bible doesn't teach that. 
And so if, if those things are in your mind, uh, you just have to dispel them because no one wants to go to a place where we do nothing but kind of uh, meditate, sit around, uh, listen to music with no tune, just uh, have, have wings and halos plucking a golden harp. And uh, that's, that's just a, a dull land with, with no brightness, no color. Listen, that's probably closer to a description of, of hell rather than heaven. I mean, I don't mean to be funny about that, but that would not be a place that we would look forward to going to. Going to. And so that, that sounds terrible, but none of these concepts about heaven are biblical. They are invented by people. That's not the heaven that the Apostle Paul looked forward to going to. That is not the heaven that causes us to rejoice, that causes us to groan, that causes us to say to die is gain. So if your view of heaven is like that, then you know what's going to happen? If you don't look forward to heaven and you say, oh, yuck, I've got to go there, but uh, I really don't want to. What's going to happen is you'll become too attached to this world. You'll, be, you'll fall in love with this world, exactly what, what John said not to do, love not the world. In Colossians chapter 3, you will not be able to obey this command from, from Scripture. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, if then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You'll not be able to do that. Your goal in life then becomes just having fun because you feel this is your last hurrah. This is it. Just have fun. Accumulate treasures on earth. Enjoy the things of this world before you have to leave it to the dull existence of heaven. See, that's what happens. And then you become so attached to things that, that your attitude is actually like this. Before you're married, you say, Lord, don't let me die until I get married. Or don't let me die until I have this dream vacation. Or don't let me die until I get this new car. And you see, what happens is you become too attached to earth, too attached to things. You see, what you believe about heaven affects the way you live on earth. There's an old saying, but it's not true. You really cannot be so heavenly minded that you are no earthly good. If you are heavenly minded, you are earthly good. But you can be so earthly minded that you are no heavenly good. Does that make sense? It made sense to me when I wrote it down in my notes. And I hope it makes sense to you. If you don't have a biblical perspective of heaven, you're not going to be of much good on earth. You're going to be in love with this world because your thinking is, this is it. This is the only time I'm really going to have fun. So let's enjoy it because forever I'm going to be in that dull existence where they sing hymns all day. It's just one hymn. That's it. So how do we know the truth about heaven? There are so many myths about it. How do we know? Well, obviously, the only way we can know about heaven is if the God of heaven has revealed truth about it. And he has in the Bible. The Bible gives us the revelation about heaven. The God of heaven is revealed in the Bible, the truth about heaven. Now, all we need to know about heaven is in the Bible. However, maybe not all we would like to know is in the Bible about heaven, but all we need to know is in the Bible about heaven. There are still a lot of unanswered questions, and we will know when we get there. In fact, I met this uh, last week with about uh, oh, seven, eight, nine pastors, fellow pastors in, in this uh, area, and we were discussing about heaven. And uh, we, we had questions that uh, the Bible just doesn't address, and we discussed these things, and there were some disagreements on things, and, and that's because we just don't have 
uh, revelation that we would like to have. We wish we had more. But God has given us enough. The scriptures are sufficient. God has given us uh, enough that we need to uh, know and understand. And the Bible answers many of the critical questions about heaven. It may not answer all your questions, but it answers many of them. For example, in this, in this series, we're going to explore these, these questions and more. What is heaven like? I told you what it's not like. What is heaven like? Uh, what will we be like in heaven? What, what are we going to be like in heaven? Uh, is heaven a place or is it a state of mind? Is it a real place or is it just a state of mind? What will we do in heaven? Will we know each other in heaven? Will we be married in heaven? A major question to answer. Is there a place called purgatory? Is there such a thing as soul sleep? Those who believe that say that when you die, you don't actually go to be with the Lord. It's just like you're sleeping. And then at the resurrection, he'll wake you up and you'll be with the Lord. Uh, we'll look at that. Uh, who will be in heaven? And uh, where is heaven? Where is its location? So we're going to look at those questions and get biblical answers. And, uh, and also we'll address, for example, uh, out-of-body experiences that people say. That's, that's a hot issue today. So we're going to look at those and, and other issues. Now this morning, we're going to introduce the subject of heaven by asking and answering one question, which has a lot of facets, but one question, and it's the question, what is heaven? What is heaven? That's where you have to begin. What is heaven? What are we talking about when we refer to heaven? More importantly, what does the Bible mean when it refers to heaven? Forget what we're talking about. What does the Bible mean by it? So uh, let's begin. If you're, if you're taking notes, just write that down. What is heaven? All right, let's, let's begin to get into this. The Bible mentions the word heaven about 600 times. 600 times, it'll either say heaven or the heavens, one of, one of the, uh, the words related to heaven. So we're given much information about it. It's not as if we only had a few times where the Bible mentions heaven, about 600 times. And basic to our understanding of heaven is the, and foundational to it, is what does the Hebrew word mean that's translated heaven? What does the Greek word mean that's translated heaven? You have to deal with words in order to understand concepts. Now, the, heaven, the Hebrew word literally means the heights. If you're taking notes, you ought to write that down. The heights. That's what it means. And the Greek word means that which is raised up. So it's very similar, the heights and that which is raised up. So the basic meaning of the term heaven is that which is above. When we're talking about heaven, we mean that which is above. In fact, the Greek word is Uranus, from which we get the planet Uranus. That's where we get that, that planet, that which is above. So heaven, the Bible teaches, is above man, it's above the earth. However, when we speak of heaven, we need to distinguish which heaven we're talking about. You say, what? What are you talking about? Well, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You may not realize it, but the Bible speaks of three heavens. Three heavens, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul gives this fascinating biographical sketch of something that happened to him. He says, and he's the man he's talking about, by the way, in verse 2. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or out of the body I do not know, God knows such a man was caught up to the third heaven. So if there's a third heaven, there has to be a first and second heaven. 
And I know how such a man, whether in body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. So God gave the Apostle Paul an experience, whether in body or in vision, in which he was in the third heaven, which he also called paradise. So paradise is synonymous with the third heaven. That means that there are three heavens. What's the first heaven? Number one, the first heaven is the atmosphere around the earth. That's, that's the air we breathe. We would, the Bible calls that the, the heavens. I think that's called the uh, troposphere. It's probably no more than 20 miles above the earth, maybe a little bit less or more. That's the air we, we breathe. And so that's the atmosphere we live in. The clouds are there. The birds are there. When the Bible refers to the rain or snow coming from heaven, this is the heaven it's referring to. Okay? That's the heaven it's referring to. Proverbs 23, 5 speaks about the eagles flying in uh, towards the heavens. That's what he means. Rain, snow. It's just the atmosphere. You want a verse on that? Deuteronomy 11, verse 11 and verse 17. I don't think we need to delve into that too, too deeply. It just means the air we breathe. It's where our airplanes would go. Now, the second heaven is the sphere where the sun, the moon, the stars, and the planets exist. Uh, let's look at Genesis chapter 1 for that. Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, Then God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens. This is the second heaven to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the great light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He made the stars also. And God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. That's the second heaven. In fact, Look over, if you will, at Genesis chapter 15. God's dealing with Abraham in verse 5. It says, and he took him outside and said, now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said to them, so shall your descendants be. That's the second heaven. The stars, the sun, the planets. It's the second heaven. The third heaven is where Paul was caught up to. This is where God dwells. This is where God's throne is where angels dwell, and where believers who have died dwell. When we are raptured, when the church is raptured, we will be taken to the third heaven, which is the throne of God. So God is there, angels are there, believers are there who have died. All believers who, are, who have died are there. There's an old children's chorus that says, Heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. Heaven is a glorious, heaven is a wonderful place. That little song doesn't give much detail, but it is spot on as far as it goes. Isn't it nice, though, to know that we won't be bored in heaven. We will be active, and our lives will have purpose. In fact, even more so than they do now. Pastor Steve Kreloff will tell us more about the very exciting and very real place called heaven on our next Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. For more information about Lakeside, call the office at 727-441-1714 or check out the website, lakesidechapel.com. At Lakeside, you'll not only hear the same kind of solid Bible teaching you hear from our broadcasts, you'll also share in some warm fellowship. 
Verse by Verse is a ministry of Lakeside Chapel, but we depend a great deal on the interest and generosity of listeners like you. If you'd like to help support Verse by Verse, we have a giving page at versebyverseradio.org. Or you can call Lakeside at the number I mentioned earlier, 727-441-1714. If you're already part of our support team, thank you for your gifts and your prayers. Hey, also at our website, we offer hundreds of previous broadcasts on the Message Archive page that are free for you to stream or download. Or send the link to a friend who maybe can't listen now but would benefit from these Bible classes. That's versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. A friend of mine told me just this morning about a family he knows who have a prearranged meeting place in heaven where they plan to find each other. (laughs) They say, I'll meet you at the second tree from the right. (laughs) From the right of what, I asked him. He said, from the throne. Revelation 22 mentions that a river will flow from God's throne, and on either side of it will be a tree of life. It read like the tree will somehow straddle the river. Apparently, these folks plan to meet up at the next tree over from that tree of life. Clearly, they see heaven as a very real place. As Pastor Steve will explain on the next verse by verse, it is a very real place. I hope you can join us for our next lesson about heaven. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse. We are here to give you strength between. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.